Welcome to New You, Network for Empowering Women podcast. I'm your host, Christy Bells. Enjoy our array of talented, open-hearted guests and their willingness and courage to share their stories of second chances, life-changing choices, and new perspectives. We're here to uplift and empower you and your journey. So do you ever get intimidated by somebody? Maybe it's their looks, maybe it's their smarts, maybe it's their position. I really was insecure as a young person, as a young adult. And I really got intimidated a lot by people that I thought were mostly smarter than me because somehow I believed I was not smart enough. Um, actually, I didn't believe there was enough of much about me in those days. And when I met my next guest, I have to say I had a little bit of intimidation going on. Now I call her one of my dearest friends. She's one of the most accomplished women I've ever met, um, educationally, in business, in philanthropy, um, in supporting women and other women. And I'm a huge champion of hers and she of mine. I cannot wait for you to hear my conversation with the amazing Gretchen Gaggle. Welcome. I'm so excited about my guest, Gretchen Gaggle, my dear, dear friend. Oh my gosh. All right. But before we start, we always start with permission to pause. So let's just give ourselves a moment to take a deep breath. Oh, yeah. Find, find the moment. Find the quiet space inside. It only takes that moment, right? To find our center, to catch a breath, to shift from before to now. Right. So welcome, Gretchen. I'm so excited to have you on my show. Um, Thanks, Christy. I'm excited to be here. Good. So Gretchen and I met, oh gosh, I can't even tell you how many years ago, probably 20, when she was the president of the Women's Foundation of Colorado here in Denver. And I was working in the nonprofit sector. And um, yeah, we met and then we started chatting a little bit. We found out that we grew up like I don't know, 10 miles from each other in Kansas City. So we were Kansas girls. Um, and then we both realized that we had a passion for concerts. So we got started going to music shows together. And our friendship has just blossomed and grown over time. I really admire and respect this woman. I just got to journey to um, Australia to be with her on a journey um, around the country for three weeks. It was a blast. And I just am so grateful for you planning that whole damn thing. That was a lot. Uh, it was epic on my half. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I really believe in the power of our stories and sharing our stories. That's what we did in the book. Even though I pulled yours from the TED stage, I'd really like my guests to know a little bit about you and your story. From your Kansas days to what brings you to this time and place in your life? Gosh, I'm going to try and keep this short. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I was inspired. I was inspired by my father telling me I couldn't go to engineering school because girls didn't do that yeah. and disowning me because I turned down Harvard to go to SMU instead. Um, and boy, was that it was a hard choice for me. But um, that interaction with him really sent me on this journey of 
wanting to be an empowered woman and to help other women be empowered women. Mm -hmm. And the story that I tell in the TEDx talk that we did together about being in the construction industry, where I've spent most of my time for the last 40 years. And when I became pregnant with my first child and people started asking me if my husband was going to let me keep working and, and just feeling like, why, why are they saying this to me? And telling my boss that people were saying things like this and him not believing me until we were at a cocktail party. And this is the story I told in the TEDx. And, and someone turned to him, a, an owner of a construction company, and said, have you started looking for Gretchen's replacement yet? And, um, and I just looked at Lou thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to get really good. And Lou's looking at me like, what's going on? And, and, um, and he went on to proclaim that, you know, the yearnings that God put in me to be a mother were going to overpower these feelings I had that I needed to have a career. In the name of God. Oh, yes. yes. And right. I would understand where I belonged and lose jaws on the floor. And I'm like, yep, I, I told you people are saying things to me. And so it's just been an interesting journey of being engineering, manufacturing, construction, um, except for that detour when I met you five years of running the Women's Foundation, which was an incredible gift of um, carving my path in a male-dominated world. I'm now chair of the board of Brinkman Construction and a member of the National Academy of Construction. And I really try and be a role model mm-hmm. you are a role to, model. Other, oh, thanks, yeah, you are. to other women and help other women be successful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, along the way, right, there were a few few things and choices that you made. Right. So but before we go there, please, please, please tell the story about the airplane. And your kids. Oh, how the story yeah. cracks me up. So funny. Yeah. I mean, I flew every week. I flew a hundred thousand miles a year. I had my first child, my son. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I did that. Um, and well, I know I did three cities a week, basically, most weeks. And and I flew until they were seven and eight years old. I cut back to two nights a week and people would see my 1K tag on my briefcase. I'd be sitting in first class and, oh my gosh, you fly a lot. What do you do? And, you know, 1K means you're 100,000 miles a year on United. And I'd say what I did and, oh gosh, you don't have children, do you? And I'd say, yeah, you know, oh wow, how how old are they? And I'd say one and two, two and three, however, you know, however old they were. And and um, they're 13 months apart. And, and ev- almost every single week, someone would say, well, who watches them when you're gone? And and so I started saying, well, you know, I just put them in the trunk of, of my car with a little food and water at the airport. And, you know, so far it seems to be working out just fine. Like, why are you asking me this? But Dumbass. I just decided to use um, humor to deflect uh, what was a very annoying question every single week for years Stupid. and years. Like the stuff yeah. that we put up with, right? It's the mm-hmm. stuff that we put up over the years. But that's the way you you deflected that was so. I still crack. I, my cheeks hurt. I'm smiling so much because it makes me laugh. Like, yeah, I'm sure people were really like not like what? <laughs> yeah, should I call the police yeah, when she gets exactly? Get yeah, social services, nine one one. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so you have this big career in engineering construction. You took some time off to get back to be part of the women's foundation here in Colorado, making a big difference. We did a lot of public policy work together, which I have to say was awesome. Have somebody have a lead on taking, taking some of the, the legislation that we were able to create for women, particularly in my field, because I was working with low incomes, women with low incomes, but you know, 
we worked on the cliff effect, like helping women keep their benefits um, so they didn't lose their childcare, et cetera, at a certain level of pay. Um, yeah, we did some good work back then. That was awesome. Okay, so then you left the Women's Foundation and remind me where you went after that. Um, I went to the Women's Funding Network. Um, but but the, the decision to come to the Women's Foundation, oh, yeah. I think, was one of the biggest forks in the road for me. And that's what I tell my kids. Life is, life is a series of forks in the road. And, you know, you just got to pick one and have no regrets and go down it. And this flying job that I had, um, I was one of six managing directors for the largest investment banking strategy firm in the construction industry. I owned 2% of it. Um, I made director in four years and um, very successful. And I just started to get to the point where I was asking the president at the time, um, how do I, how do I, how am I successful here? And continue to cut back a little more on my travel because my kids are seven and eight and I'm, you know, I, I don't know anybody, their teachers like, oh my gosh, they have a mom, you know, mm-hmm. somebody makes a comment like that and, or another parent. Right. And it's really guilt producing. And they couldn't at the time find a way. They had a paradigm about you're on a plane to be billable and you have to be billable. You can't take another group of people and help them be twice as billable. And so I went back to night school and got a master's in nonprofit and didn't really know what I was going to do with that. So I'm traveling and getting a master's and managing director of this company. And then I got invited to throw my hat in the ring for that women's founded foundation position. And we made a lot of life decisions. Um, we, you, cause we didn't know each other at the time. So you may not even know this. We moved, we left our beautiful home that I had remodeled to get our kids in public school um, because as you can imagine, going to work for a nonprofit was um, a, bi- a big downsize in income. And it's it's one of the best decisions I made. Um, and when I took the chairman of the firm, who was my mentor, who's still my mentor, out to dinner to tell him I was leaving. Interestingly, he offered me more stock and more money. And I said, I'm going to work for a nonprofit. This is not about stock and money and and so really understanding what motivates people and how to keep people and um, and how to have the courage to just go do something crazy you've never done before to run a nonprofit foundation. Um, it, it turned out to be just a huge gift. Yeah. Yeah. I relate because, you know, I quit my big job um, to put myself through school to be a social worker. So, you know, yeah. the heart calls. And when you follow, you know, you, you can't be led away, astray by the heart's calling. So, you know, it didn't last and forever. I told, well, and I, somebody was just talking to me about a decision they were trying to make. And I said, what will you regret more? That's how I kind of think about mm-hmm. it. I mean, um, will you regret not taking that chance or you regret leaving what you have? Mm-hmm. And every person has to make that decision for themselves. But, um, and, and having great friends like you and I are great friends that you can talk to, that lift you up and help give you the courage to make those hard decisions mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really meaningful. Yeah. They happen. You know, like my book is all about falling down and getting back up again. You know, life happens and it's really about yeah. your choice of how are you going to deal with that? Whatever that is. Right. Well, and we can all look in the rear view mirror and um, beat ourselves up about mistakes or, um, 
you know, sometimes I look in the rearview mirror and think, and I have a great relationship with my kids, but oh my gosh, could I have been more present for them? Or this is not productive. No. I live, I live the version of Gretchen that is walking the earth and I'm the mom that I was meant to be. And some days I'm more accepting of that. And other days I want to beat myself up a little bit, but right. you, you, you know, you have to be you. Everybody else is taken, as they say. That's a great line. And I'll tell you that not enough mommy thing is real. I don't know anybody on the planet that doesn't, you know, I just interviewed Laura Thomas, who's also in the book. And she was my ghostwriter for my book. She just has a brand new six week old baby, you know, and she's already doubting herself. Like she just doesn't know. I'm like, well, you know, they don't come with the manual and we don't, we're not going to be perfect. We're not supposed to be perfect. You know, we're supposed to be us. And but I remember taking Charlie to school and just bawling when when Ferd got back in the car. I'm like, I wasn't a good enough mom. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just like, well, I, I actually just read a research study in the New York Times within the last, I'm going to say, six weeks, that there's now research that shows why that our brain. This is the you know the the what do they call that? The primitive brain uh, or the reptilian brain? Reptilian, right that's been there forever versus our prefrontal mm-hmm. cortex. Mm-hmm. That's what we're supposed to be doing our thinking with that. It's, it goes back to that and that um, worrying about our children that we're wired. Of course, we're wired to worry about our children because that's, that's the continuation of our race, right? Is to make sure that our kids are safe. And so I think that drives a lot of that guilt and feeling because it's like, gosh, so that was good to know that, you know, I am, I tell my kids, cause I tell them it's my job to worry about them. Yeah. And I said, now I have research to support exactly that. Right. So. That's so right. Well, and I love that you wrote a book, eight great steps of being a working mother, right? We'll talk more about that yeah. at the end where people can find that, but you know, you have all the knowledge, you have all the wisdom, you had the consciousness to be a choice about what you were doing. And yet we still have, yeah, that reptilian brain. That's like, you're not a nap. You're like, oh. it's it's brutal. It's brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So you got your master's degree now. You ran a really successful non-for-profit. You went and did some more philanthropic work. And then what, Gretchen? Well, for two years, I was assistant dean. Well, so I went to work for the Women's Funding Network mm-hmm. and was commuting to San Francisco every I other week that, going yeah. to a divorce. A divorce. My mother had Alzheimer's. Really um, hard beginning time. Beginning Alzheimer's and um, you know, they called me in San Francisco. She'd shoved three months of medication in her Kleenex box. Um, and I, 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 it was a great, it was a perfect job. I was running Women Moving Millions globally to inspire women to give million dollar gifts to support women's causes. But at the absolute wrong time, I got recruited back to be assistant dean of the business school at the University of Denver. And after two years there, really wasn't having fun a little bit too much bureaucracy. Every university Every, has bureaucracy, yeah. not revealing any deep, dark secret. But my mother got really bad and um, she'd had dementia for 10 years. And luckily I had a, and I just divorced, just written a check for half my assets to my ex-husband. Living in the big house still in Cherry Hills. And my financial advisor looked at me and said, you need to quit your job and be with your mom. And I was like, what? I'm like, I've got two kids about to go to college, um, feeling financially insecure, barely making ends meet, living in the big house by myself. And it's the best decision I Mm -hmm. ever made, even better than the going to the Women's Foundation. 
I quit in February. Mom was in hospice by July and died in October. Mm-hmm. And um, and she said, we're going to take this much out of savings, big gulp number, and you're going to be fine. And I was. Um, that was 10, 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. And once again, somebody giving you the courage mm-hmm. to do something, mm-hmm. to say, it's all going to be okay. And the week after I quit, um, Clark Ellis flew to Denver and said, will you be president of our company coming back into construction consulting? And I said, I will after my mom dies. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did, and I was president of that company for five years. So it all, it all worked out, but, um, yeah, I got to jump off the cliff sometimes. Always. Right. You always have the, I had this big thing that says leap over the chasm of faith, right? This woman's like jumping from mountain to mountaintop, right. To, um, yep. You got to leap. So I, I also want to point out here, it's something that I love in my kind of mystical spiritual world is, is that I feel like the universe always gives us those opportunities. And what a blessing it was that even though you felt like you didn't have the resources you had prior to the divorce, gulp, you know, all of that, but you had somebody in your life saying objectively, you can do this and go be with your mom and that you were able to do that. Right. That, yeah. that is a gift. Right. Yeah. Had it been other times in your life that may not have been possible. Oh, yeah. No, it was an incredible gift. And this person is still on Team Gretchen. Um, You know, all of us having our own personal advisory councils (laughs) is really important important. for different people that we go to for different things. And um, I give her credit for it all the time. I talk about her that she she's an amazing person. yeah. 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 So that was a real gift. Yeah. We women need each other, right? We do. This is how we grow and develop is with each other, you know, and just being real and authentic. All right, Gretchen, we got to take a break here. Um, we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to New You Network for Empowering Women podcast. Hey, it's Christy Bells. Many of the people you meet on my podcast have participated in my course called Uproot. This 15-week course takes you through my transformational process of understanding your roots, what's down there in the dirt you're not looking at, reviewing your path and collecting the tools for life success. I would love to help you on your journey. Learn more about the Uproot course, take my quiz and see where you might be stuck down there in the dirt and explore my transformational retreat opportunities at christybells.com forward slash uproot. All right, Gretchen. So now you've had all these careers, you've been president, you've been running a nonprofit, you've, you've been in construction, like all this cool stuff, got a, a master's degree, this is where you really blew my mind. One day we were having lunch or something and you told me you were going to do what? A PhD. And I actually have two master's degrees oh. and it's, I want to point out that my sister and I are first generation college graduates. Yeah, so so am I. yeah. I, um, this, I set a goal to get a degree every 10 years. I think I might be done now. Um, but I always had a reason what was your to second go master's degree. in, by the way, master's in nonprofit management. And what was the from first one? MBA in finance oh, from DU. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, um, yeah. I had to get the finance degree on top of engineering. I was running a $28 million operating budget without any finance or accounting background. Uh-huh. So, 
excited to go back and get an MBA, which is why it's fun to go teach there now. Um, So yeah, the PhD, that was another crazy decision. When I, when I came back to be president of uh, continuum advisory group, I was basically doing what I'd done 15 years earlier. I was breaking us back in to consult to General Motors and Intel and Procter & Gamble and United Airlines, anybody that was spending billions of dollars on construction. And I'd started that business for FMI, the other company, back in the late 90s, and which was fine. It was a great job. It was a great team of people. But I'm such a curious person. And I thought, what? What how, what skills does a leader really need to create a nimble organization that's change ready? And so I was looking for another master's. I wasn't looking for a PhD. I was looking for a master's in like change, change management, because that's all you do as a consultant. You're just trying, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Mm-hmm. You're trying to convince people to change. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled across this PhD at Colorado State University that met in downtown Denver every other Saturday, year-round for three years. Um, we all got to know each other really, 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 really well. Really well. well, and the scary part, so that the application was due in, I don't know, I want to say six weeks, and they only let people in every four years. And so I kind of went, oh my gosh, well, I'll apply. And then, you know, I feel you should always keep as many doors open as possible. Mm-hmm. Don't let the opera, don't let the door close that you can't apply, apply and then think about it. And then I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm in a PhD program uh-huh. <laughs> and I've got to create new knowledge in the world. I remember walking out of the orientation thinking, oh, my God, I'm never going to I can't do this. I can't. Yeah, it was crazy. And look at look at you now. Look at me now. Yeah, I was um, the first to defend out of my cohort because I I joked I was also the oldest. I said I had to, um, my oral exams were the Monday after our last class on Saturday because you're doing oral exams over 13 courses Mm -hmm. that you've taken over three years. And I said, I'm I'm older. I, I forget things faster. But the gift of the PhD was really honing my critical thinking skills and taking at more, even more into consideration around evidence and research. Mm-hmm. I went back 50 years in leadership, 50 years in org culture. That's how I met the wonderful Edgar Schein, my former coach that passed away in January, and 50 years in change management and agility. And I really have much more of a understanding and admiration for social scientists mm-hmm. that try and explain very complex things like inclusion. What does that mean? What, how do you create it? Um, and do research to, to help understand these complex Mm -hmm. ideas. Yeah. Yeah. A social scientist I am. Um, but I say I have enough inner nerd to be dangerous, but not near enough to get a PhD. (laughs) Yeah, I am. Well, I'm not a detail oriented person. My disc profile is DI. And so, I use this example all the time with my students. It you anybody can be anything. It's not your natural tendency. So I went into it going, you're going to have to be really detail oriented. I collected 10,000 pieces of data and wrote a 172 page dissertation with 33 pages of references. Mm-hmm. And it just about killed me. And if someone told me I had to do it again, it would kill mm-hmm. me. But I did it once. I'm I'm thankful. And as I said, the 
really the honing of my critical thinking skills because you actually, they told me this and it's true, you come out of a PhD knowing that you know less than you did when you mm-hmm. came in because all these worlds of research are opened okay. up yeah. and, and you go, gosh, the, the massive amount of knowledge in the world, uh, um, in, any one of us can only understand the tip of the iceberg. That's right. That's right. I went through my bookshelves list this weekend. I was trying to declutter. I cannot get rid of these damn books. Like I am attached to these books. (laughs) Well, ship 10, 10, ship 10 boxes of them to Australia and you become a lot less attached. Um, As I'm now moving (laughs) some of them back to, I've actually found a woman who's about to do her PhD Mm. that took all my PhD books um, from me in Melbourne. That's awesome. So it was good yeah. to find a good home yeah. from them but um all right so you got your phd oh and then um you moved across around the world yeah 20 days after i defended my yeah. phd nothing like having a deadline yeah. um i learned a lot in that experience about how your amygdala actually grows when you're under sustained stress yeah. in your brain um because i i don't think i was living the best version of myself those last two months trying to defend my PhD, transfer the presidency of a company and plan a move to a foreign country for the first time. But um, yeah, my then partner and I decided to, um, I was wrapping up five years as president of the company, which was my commitment and my PhD. And I've always wanted to live in a foreign country. And New Zealand, Australia was my first trip when I was 12 years old from Kansas. And um So, yeah, I didn't know how I was going to earn a living when I got there. Um, I was so burned out. I really didn't care at that point. Um, But, yeah, I figured I'd figure it out when I got there. And you did. So five years later, what I know is you just got your citizenship in Australia, which is beautiful. Congratulations. And how many universities are you teaching in right now? Well, one in in Australia, the Australian National University, which that was the first way I made a paycheck over there. And they will always be near and dear to my heart. And then I still teach at the University of Denver. Pioneers. I'm a DU grad. Mm -hmm. I got my graduate degree there. Um, Yeah. Well, I talked a little bit. I was practicing doing a little precursor to you. And I was like, does anybody ever intimidate you? (laughs) (laughs) There was a day. Oh, yeah, honey. Good Lord. Like. I think people get intimidated by me, but I think for different reasons, you just are so smart. And again, spending three weeks with you in Australia, I just, I'm just blown away. So I know you you. and love you and just, you know, I'm your champion for sure. And I know you're mine. Right back at you. I know. Um, So you have so much wisdom and so much experience, Gretchen. So I always like to give the listeners like nuggets, things that you, like if you gave your best advice um, mm-hmm. to the women that are listening to this podcast, what, what are what are some thoughts that you want to share with the guest? You know, it's funny. I was reading something by another amazing woman last night and um, I wrote down, I use stickies on my wall. It says, who looks after you? Mm-hmm. And um, this love yourself first and put your own oxygen mask on. I talk about that in the book, Eight Steps to Being a Great Working Mom. Mm-hmm. We, uh, I had a health scare 14 years ago, the heart arrhythmia, a month in bed, five years on a beta blocker, not taking care of myself. And we're no good to anyone if we're not. So carving that time out, um, I, I insisted that my assistant cancel a meeting the other day because it was going to interfere with my run. Mm-hmm. And it was an important meeting, but we could move it. And 
I'm going to take care of myself. So, um, and to put boundaries around that, because we can all say that we're going to do that. But like that, like um, I'm, I have a new assistant and green run means green run. And if you can move it, that's great, but you can't take it off my calendar. It's going to happen for my mental well-being as well as my physical well-being. So I think that's one of my big nuggets. Love yourself. Yeah. And self-care. Yeah. 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 Because you're worth it. You're nobody, nobody is more important in your life than yourself. And we put everybody else first. We put the mom, the kids, the business partner that has a stroke, the, you know, um, the partner, um, we, we care for everybody and forget to care about ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah. We're very conditioned, right. In our lives as women, particularly, um, that other people's needs come before ours. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's age. Um, but I, I've gotten a lot more selfish with my time, a lot more selfish about who I'm going to spend time with, right. That I, that I do get to come first. I do come first. Right. And wouldn't it be a great lesson if we could learn that? No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Because the body, when the body speaks, you're pretty far down the road to like, Oh shit. (laughs) I wasn't Mm. listening. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, friend, I love seeing you. And I wish I were there in Kansas with you, my hometown as well. Um, You have big events coming up with the daughter getting married and all sorts of beautiful stuff. So um, I hope I get to see you sometime soon. I know you might be here, but I know you're busy. Um, And I'm definitely coming back to Melbourne. I love, I love Australia. (laughs) And for my husband loved it too. So yeah. So fun to have friends come visit because I think everyone thinks I'm crazy that I live there and fly back and forth four times a year. And how, you know, how could you pick someplace so far away? And it's just, it's a really magical place that I don't know. I've always been in love with. So I really am glad that you came and thank you so much for inviting me to come share a little bit of my, um, my history and yeah whatever tidbits of wisdom are in there. Yeah. So we always want our guests to know how to find you. So what's the best way for people to find you or reach out to you? LinkedIn, Gretchen Gagel, rhymes with bagel and um, G-A-G-E-L. LinkedIn is really the best way. I have a a website, but um, LinkedIn is definitely more current and I love connecting to people. I've got about 10,000 friends out there, so... And you are a connector. I was talking to a dear friend of ours this morning who was talking about the connection that you just made through this person and that person from Australia to, it's like, yep, that's Gretchen. It's fun. Oh, I love you so much. Blessings love you to too. you. We'll be in touch. Okay. Thanks. All right, Thank dear. you, Christy. Take care. Bye. Bye. It is my joy to showcase the voices, choices, and stories of women and the messy details of life's journey. As you've experienced, my guests are thriving with purpose and authenticity, but that does not mean that their life is easy and without challenges. I've dedicated my life to you and your journey. Thank you for listening to New You, Network for Empowering Women podcast. Please subscribe and learn more at christybells.com forward slash new podcast.